You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Ahmed Munawar, founder and chief marketing officer at Boutique Growth, where we help professional services firms build actionable marketing plans so they can generate more leads and win more business. Amazing interview for you here today with Kai Davis. Kai is an outreach consultant. He's an expert on referral marketing, and he's got a ton of really, really valuable advice for you here on how to generate more referrals from your existing clients. You know, referrals is one of those things that it's hands down the backbone of any marketing strategy for a professional services business. But usually we feel like it's something that's done to us. You know, we receive referrals, but we're not proactive about going out and getting referrals. And Kai has got some great advice for you on, first of all, why you should be proactive about going out and getting those referrals and capitalizing on your existing relationships, but also how to go about doing that effectively and how to turn that into a process that you can execute over and over and over again. To grab the show notes for this episode, head over to forecast.fm slash Kai. That's forecast.fm slash K-A-I. Also, before I let you go, if you haven't yet joined us inside our free course on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms, there's a ton of really, really important advice inside that course that'll help you build a lead generation campaign that'll generate a flood of new business for your firm. You can check that out right now at 5leadgen.com and you can spell out five or use the number. Either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. With that, Here's Kai Davis. Kai, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be a guest. So before we dive in, tell us the Kai Davis story. Absolutely. So I'm a outreach consultant, which means I uh, teach people at the high level how to send emails that the recipient wants to receive and how to get a reply. And most often that's taken the form of working with service providers, professional service providers, freelancers, consultants, and business owners, and teaching them how to send email to prospective clients, past clients, how to follow up effectively, all with the ultimate goal of getting more clients without spending more on their marketing. Well, that's an appealing goal. Now, Kai, I want to dive into the topic of referrals in today's episode. And I think to prime the topic, tell us a little bit about the three R's of getting clients that you talk about. Absolutely. So when I look at a professional service provider, I think that there's three real strong pathways to get more clients. You could get referrals from your existing clients. You could get projects, repeat projects from your existing clients as well, or you could follow up with past clients or past leads and see if there's an opportunity for you to help them in their business. All really comes down to maintaining those relationships. Once a project starts or once a project is completed, doesn't necessarily mean it's the one and only time you'd be able to contribute value to that person or contribute value to their business. Instead, by following up, continuing to provide value, asking how they're doing, you have the opportunity not only to unlock additional projects with that client, but also to say, do you know anybody who needs help achieving a similar outcome and get a referral to someone else for an entire new client relationship? Excellent. So out of the three, Kai, why are referrals in particular so powerful? 
What I see it is referrals are a form of trust marketing. Normally, when we start a new relationship with a prospect, they're coming in cold or semi-cold. Maybe they heard us on a podcast or read an article we wrote or somehow found our website because we are describing the pain or problem they're experiencing. And they don't necessarily have a lot of trust in us yet. They have no way to differentiate us from another service provider. But when it comes to referrals, we're benefiting from the person who's making that introduction or making that referral. It's not simply, oh, I heard about Kai. Let me check out his material. It's, oh, my friend worked with Kai or has talked with Kai and suggested that I work with Kai. In that conversation, in that referral, in that moment of a referral, you not only have your own authority and expertise as a service provider, but you're benefiting from the trust that this third party has in the person making that referral. So I think of it as an aspect of trust marketing within a business. And it's really capitalizing on the goodwill that you've worked so hard to create with your prospective client, isn't it? Entirely, entirely. Very well put. So I think a lot of our listeners, Kai, they're professional services leaders, they run their own firms, their own practices, and referrals is likely the backbone of their strategy. You know, common answer that I get when I ask people, how do you build your business? How do you attract clients? They'll usually fall back on something like, well, referrals is a big part of it. Right? But well, then when I ask, well, oh, that's great. What do you do to actually bring in those referrals? It's, uh, well, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of uh, hesitations and, and mumblings. So what are some of the mistakes that you see people make in generating these referrals? Most oftenly, I see at a high level, it's a fear of proactively asking for the referral. And that ask could happen at the start of the relationship, in the client relationship, or at the end of the relationship. But people often passively wait for a referral to happen for them or to them rather than proactively going out and seeking a referral or asking for it. So I think first and foremost, the one area of optimization that almost any professional service provider could put in place is simply having a documented procedure. Even if it's just a saved email template and a reminder, hey, two weeks after the project is done, email the client and say, hey, I hope everything's going well for you. Uh, just a quick question. Do you know anybody else who needs help achieving a similar outcome? Just putting something as simple as that in place in their business can provide that opportunity for a referable moment to happen. Not everybody we connect with will generate a referral, but if we think about the number of people we encounter in a year or the number of clients we work with in a year, one, two, five, ten of them might turn into a referral or multiple referrals for us to work with. So you use this term referable moment, and I've, I've heard you say that before. What do you mean by that? So I think of a referable moment as any moment when either we describe our positioning statement, the target market we work with, and the expensive problem we solve, or a third party mentions that positioning statement, and the person they're speaking to lights up and says, oh, I need somebody to help me with that, or, oh, I know somebody who would be perfect for that. The example I often think about is, uh, you know, hey, if you're a marketing consultant who helps dentists get more clients or more repeat patients, well, for most people, you'll, they'd be like, oh, well, okay, that's good. But if you speak to somebody who knows a dentist or somebody who's searching for more clients, they'll suddenly say, wait, no, I know somebody who owns a dental practice, and of course they'd love more clients. Can I introduce you? Can I connect you? And I think of a referable moment being as that alignment between the need that the prospect has and your positioning, the target market you work with, and the outcomes you're able to generate. And when those three elements are in alignment, it creates this perfect moment where the prospect hearing about you from the third party says, oh, wow, I, how do I get in touch with them? Do you have more information? Can you introduce me? You mentioned before that you know, one of the, the mistakes that people make is they don't ask, and maybe they're afraid to ask. Why would somebody be afraid to ask for a referral? 
Most often, I think it's because of two reasons. The first reason would be people are afraid of rejection and asking for a referral. If somebody declines to respond or says, oh, I can't think of anybody, there's an unfortunate tendency to take that as a reflection of our quality of, as a service provider, when the truth is they might just not know anybody who's a good match or who would make sense to work with us. I think the second reason people are afraid to ask is because they don't have a framework to follow. They know they should be asking for referrals. They know it would be valuable for their business, but there's no one, two, three, do this, not that step for them to follow to initiate that relationship or to ask. So a lack of information on one part and a fear that if somebody doesn't respond, it's because, oh, we must be a bad agency or they didn't enjoy our service. Yeah. So I can see the process being a really kind of powerful way to make this easier. When you have a process, you've got the scripts, it's all ready to go. Then you don't have to think about it. You just fire it away and you identify when to do that. But the fear of rejection, that sounds more complicated to get over, right? How do you get over that fear? It's a process, I think, of trying it and discovering that somebody not responding to your email or somebody saying, hey, I don't, I can't think of anybody who's a good match doesn't reflect negatively on you. I think it does require a strong ego, and it's something that you could build up to with almost exposure therapy in a sense, testing it out, trying it out, discovering that nothing bad will happen when you ask for that referral. But good things slowly start to stack up and happen when you do ask for that referral. It very much is a mental game exercise where you need to get to that confidence or have that strong ego where if you send an email to a past client and say, hey, you know what? It was wonderful working on this project. I'm so happy we were able to help you achieve outcome. I'm curious, do you know of anybody who needs similar help and you don't get any response back? That doesn't mean they don't like you. That doesn't mean they didn't enjoy working with you. All it means is they're busy. Their priorities were elsewhere. And so the obligation is then on you to follow up, provide more value. Hey, here's a case study of another company similar to yours that we were able to help. Do you know of anybody who need help in this way? And seeing it more as a process of following up to build that relationship, demonstrate that you see the value in helping and continuing to help them or help one of their colleagues rather than a one and done attempt that doesn't pan out. Yeah. And I think, think about your own habits and responding to emails. I mean, I don't respond to all my emails and I hope that doesn't make me a bad person, but it's not because I don't like the person that's sending me the emails. Just I'm busy. Things get prioritized and something has to get to the bottom of the list, right? But it doesn't mean that I don't want to respond or that I'm not happy to or I don't have a, an answer. It's just time is time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very well put. The way I always think about it is we don't know what's going on in that other person's life. They could be on a vacation. A family member might have just been in the hospital. Who knows what's going on? And so if we just send one email and then stop, really, I see that as us not being confident in the value of our service offerings. If we really, truly believe we're good at what we do, we provide a return for our clients, we help them achieve their outcomes, following up a second, a third, a fourth time, adding value in those follow-ups, making sure that when they do get a chance to look at their inbox, if they see, oh, wow, Kai's followed up with me four times, let me see, oh, I can see what these emails are about, he's followed up so many times, this must be important, even if it's a yes or a no response, it elects that response where if one email was sent and, you know, I get back from vacation and it's 40 emails deep, chances are I won't reply because, oh, they just sent one. They never followed up. It must not be that important. I'll let it sit for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if you look at it from the client's perspective, Kai, what would you say is in it for the client to refer you to somebody else? Now, that's an excellent question. I think for the client, it's 
adding value to their relationship. So if a client has worked with you, dear listener, as a service provider, and they had a positive relationship with you and a positive outcome from that engagement, well, when they refer somebody else to you, it increases their social capital because they're able to say to their friend, oh, you're struggling with this. Maybe you're struggling to get conversions on your website, or you're not sure how to get more opt-ins for your uh, landing page, or you're not sure how to get more clients for your business. I know somebody who specializes in helping companies like you let me connect you with them and see if they'd be able to help you. If it's a positive connection or not, you've gone forward and said, hey, I think I'm able to help you. Let me move you forward in that direction. So for the client, it's an opportunity to increase the social capital they have in their network. Yeah, I think people really underestimate that. Everybody loves having some kind of a hookup, right? Like mm-hmm. I love having like a good mechanic. If a friend needs help with their car, I'm the first one to say, go and see my guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Why? Because, yeah, I want to help him, sure. But it also makes me look good. Right. right? You're and the fixer. You have the little black book of everybody they need to speak to. Absolutely. And your clients are the same way. They feel good about referring you to somebody else because it makes them look good. So to me, I think that's one of the easiest ways to get over that fear of rejection is you're helping them just as much as they're helping you. Mm-hmm. Entirely. Entirely. So let's get into some of the nitty gritty of sending referral requests, Kai. First of all, when would you say is the best time to ask? What I like to do is sort of prime the pump. And when I start a client relationship, say, hey, you know what? One of the most effective way, one of the most helpful things you could do if you enjoyed our time together is at the end of the project, if you could think of two or three people who would be a good match, I'd love to be connected with them. So we aren't making the explicit ask. We're just laying the groundwork, saying this is something that's coming down the line. Then if we have a substantial win in the project, they mention that they know somebody who might be uh, who might benefit from our services or at project completion, close the loop on that initial ask and say, you know, we mentioned referrals before. You mentioned this colleague could use help in this area or you mentioned you're part of a networking group or, hey, uh, the project was a success. Do you know anybody else who would need help with this? So we start off at the beginning of the project by planting that seed and then we harvest that later on once we've had a win or at the project completion. So I think mentioning it at the beginning of the relationship, that's going to sound a bit counterintuitive to folks because they're thinking, well, I haven't done anything yet. Uh, They don't know if I'm any good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Isn't that a little bit out of the blue? It can be seen as a little out of the blue, but the logic behind it is if we're presenting ourselves as a professional service provider, if we're presenting ourselves as somebody who is going to help the client achieve the outcome they're looking for, or at least to move towards that outcome, I think it's fair for us to say, hey, you know what? I'm very confident that this project is going to be successful for both of us, that you're going to enjoy the results from it. And referrals are one of the primary ways that new clients come into my world. I really have two choices. I could spend my time marketing my business or I I could spend my time working with clients like you and learning how to better serve them by providing referrals to me. It means that I'll have more time and attention to focus on you, your business, or people that you refer my way. So while it does seem counterintuitive to ask at the beginning of the relationship, I think it both is a way to demonstrate that we're confident in our ability to deliver on the project and also frame it as the natural way to continue the relationship past project completion. And I suppose that confidence that you demonstrate by opening the referral loop at the beginning of the conversation, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Mm -hmm, Very much so. If we start the conversation or the relationship off by saying, one of my expectations of you is like, we'll meet on time, I'll deliver status reports, I'll make sure that you're kept in the loop as the project goes forward. But 
likewise, I expect that if you could think of one or two or three people who would be a good fit for me, you connect them with me and I'm able to evaluate if I'll be able to help their business. It really is a way of demonstrating that we are confident in our abilities. And I think it's also a little bit flattering to the client as well if you indicate that, look, I love working with people just like you. And if you know more people like you, then I'd like to meet them as well. That makes them feel good, doesn't it? It really does. And there's also a sort of a hidden benefit of it. When we think about or when a client thinks about who we might work with next, they know we might be niched down to a specific industry. One of their fears might be, oh, my, what if after this project they end up working with our competitor? Not out of malicious intent, but just because, oh, the competitor came knocking because, oh, you're positioned to help businesses like me. By asking for referrals, they're able to steer us towards maybe colleagues in the industry rather than competitors and guarantee that we're helping people who aren't directly opposed to them or competing for the same market share. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you open the loop in the beginning of the relationship, and then hopefully in the back of their minds, they're thinking about referral opportunities, and hopefully they, they raise an opportunity at some point during the relationship. And then in the end, when the project is done or the engagement's done, you follow up and you close the loop by making the concrete ask. Any tips on how to make that final ask? What I found works best is framing it as a low commitment obligation on their part. Typically, I like to do it face-to-face or while on a call with them. So that way, we're able to talk about who is that ideal fit. And they might be like, "Ah, I can't quite think of anybody. And then you're able to move forward to say, okay, that makes perfect sense. By the way, are you a member of any networking groups? Or are you a member of a mastermind? Or what sort of conferences have you gone to? And move them through a process of thinking through who they know in their industry or who they know who's a colleague that might be good for us to work with. I find that framing it that way when it's a face-to-face communication or as part of a call, it becomes easier for them to say, oh yeah, I could think of two, three, or four people. Let me pull up their information now. A close colleague of mine who I coached on referral marketing had a wonderful experience where she was speaking with one of her clients. She asked for a few referrals and the client said, yeah, let me open up my phone and see who we could think of. And so they literally went through the client's contact address book person by person saying, oh, this person works in the industry and they definitely need this help. She left the meeting with over 10 people to contact and a promise from the client to email intro her to each of the people that she was uh, going to be referred to. Yeah, that's amazing. It's You're so much more likely to get a response if you do it live when they're in front of you or on a call and there's no way to really punt the answer than if you just send an email after the fact. Entirely, entirely. On that note, what are some other ways that you could make the process of getting a referral easier? What I advocate for is specific positioning. If you're a generalist and you aren't targeting a specific market or a specific outcome in your work, it makes it harder for people to know who to refer to you. So I think positioning is really a cornerstone of effective referral marketing. Uh, My colleague, Philip Morgan, is the author of the book, The Positioning Manual, and he has a free course, uh, positioningcrashcourse.com, on the concepts of positioning. So first off, I think having clear and concrete positioning, who you work with and what problem you solve is very important because that lets people know who to refer your way. Beyond that, I've had success with tactics like setting up a referrals page on my website and as part of client onboarding and offboarding, directing them to that page just so they know, oh, if I have a referral to send to Kai, what's the best way to do it? I've had people email intro, give the phone number out. Each consultant has a different way of intaking clients to their business. So if you set up a referrals page that says, I work best with these types of clients, I solve these types of problems and help with these outcomes. If you're generous enough to refer somebody to me, 
the best way is to send them to my application page or send them the secret booking link for my calendar or email intro us explaining it to the client and breaking down both who you want to talk to, what you could help with, and the specific next steps for them to take. Yeah, I mean, the positioning angle is absolutely critical. And, and you'd be surprised. I mean, as much as your client, after having worked with you, knows what you do and who you do it for, sometimes they need to be reminded. And it's it's much easier for them to answer a question like, hey, do you know any dentists with new dental practices that are looking to grow? Then, hey, do you know anyone who needs help with marketing? Exactly. I had a uh, long-term two-plus-year engagement with a client once. And during the engagement, about a year and a half into it, I asked for referrals. And they were like, you're invaluable to our organization. We love working with you. I'm not sure how to describe what you do. And I was like, well, I have failed on positioning here. Let me educate you on who my ideal client is. And that way we could brainstorm together who might be a match. And as you encounter new people, you'll be able to say, oh, Kai would be a perfect fit for this. Yeah, I think that's kind of natural also, right? If you're a good consultant, a good service provider, chances are what happens is you enter a client's organization and then you end up doing all kinds of stuff and adding all kinds of value. And then by the end of the relationship, they kind of forget how it all began. And that's natural. Mm -hmm. You just have to remind them. That's all. Entirely, entirely. I often see it as there being back-end services that we provide. We might have narrow positioning and narrow niching on the front end, but once we're inside of a client's organization providing value, we might say, oh, here's three additional things I could help with. They might be outside of our core service offerings, but opportunities to help. The engagement naturally grows, and you find yourself six months later with the client saying, you're indispensable. We couldn't survive without you. Who exactly do you work with again? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, how often do you recommend people be more proactive in terms of researching, you know, who the client's connected with, maybe going through their LinkedIn connections and asking for specific introductions? I think if you are able to invest the time and you're willing to be as bold as asking for specific introductions, it will pay off for you. You will encounter more no's because the person you suggest they might not have a strong of a relationship with or feel comfortable introducing you to, but it will pay off with more specific referrals when you do get the yes. And I think this connects to the larger idea of identifying your best buyers or dream buyers. If you're able to say, oh, wow, you're connected with these three people who I'd love an introduction to. Well, the first person you speak to might be like, ah, I'm not comfortable making those intros. I just met them at a conference. But if you keep those best buyers in mind and you're continually researching, who do I know that's connected to them? and you're diligent in pursuing those asks, it will only lead to success down the line. So you may encounter more no's early on, but with the payoff of connecting to the specific individuals you most want to meet down the line through this persistence in asking for referrals from multiple sources. So what if I send a referral request to my client and I don't hear back from them? What should I do? I think the best thing to do is follow up and follow up by providing more value, more value in the form of a link to, let's say, a recent podcast interview you did, an article you published, a uh, maybe a guest article or an interview you took part in or a case study that you recently released, something that provides more value but also demonstrates your expertise. So it's not simply a, hey, did you get that email I sent you follow up, but instead, a natural progression a week or two later where you're saying, hey, by the way, here's a recent case study and it went really awesome for the client. By the way, if you know anybody who's looking for a similar outcome, feel free to refer them my way. Ideally, they're A, B, and C. So follow-up is the key element. And I think to make follow-up effective, you want to be focused on providing more value with each follow-up, sharing additional resources, be it an interview, an article, a guide, a case study, or something else. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. So do you find all else considered that having a piece of content to share 
helps facilitate the referral? I don't know if it so much helps facilitate the referral, but it gives, in a sense, an excuse for the follow-up. It's saying, oh, by the way, here's a very interesting article I wanted to share with you that's relevant to your industry, and then you're able to work in that call to action for, do you know anybody who could benefit from us working together? So the content may aid getting the referral, especially if it's a case study that highlights an incredible outcome you had or the results of a project you worked on. But more often than not, I advocate that strategy just to improve that follow-up process, to take it from, I emailed you a week ago, I haven't heard back, end of message, to, hey, here's a great case study. It went really well. We doubled the client's traffic. Do you know anybody else who would uh, benefit from a similar outcome in their business? So it really is, in part, a MacGuffin, just an element we're including in the email as an excuse to follow up, but it does provide more value to the recipient than the standard, did you get that last email I sent you? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So Kai, you're the referral expert. Tell me anything that we haven't talked about that you think is worth mentioning? I think most people ignore referrals as a machine or an engine for their business. And getting started really is as simple as we've outlined in this conversation. If you want to get started with referral marketing, it could be as simple as make a list of your past 10, 20, 30 clients that you've worked with. Send them a quick email just saying, hey, it's been a while. I wanted to touch base. How's business going for you? Make it very you focused. Make it focused on them and their business. The goal, I think, would be get on a call with them just to learn how their business is going. And then from there, say, wow, that sounds amazing. A, are there any ways I could help you grow? B, do you know anybody who needs help in a similar way to the way I helped you? Likewise, people often ignore lists of lost leads or lost prospects. You might have submitted a proposal three months ago and the company decided to go with another agency. By following up with them and saying, hey, just wanted to check in. How did Project XYZ end up going? You might discover, oh, wow, it went poorly and they desperately need help. Thank you so much for reaching out. Or do you know anybody else who might need help in a similar way? Simply being proactive in that outreach and follow-up can generate those referrals for your business. And I think it really comes down to making it an intentional part of your business practice rather than something that just happens by circumstance. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And what I found is that lost leads, people often assume that, well, they must have gone another way. I found often they haven't done anything. <laughs> yep. You know, the status quo reigns supreme, right? They just didn't do anything and there's still an opportunity to get in there. Entirely. I mean, doing nothing is the default state for most decisions. Oh, we're not sure what to do about the website, so we'll just stick with the way it is. But by following up and reactivating that conversation, it might move it forward in an interesting way. I think there's a lot of interesting overlap between follow-up marketing to get additional projects and referral-based marketing to get referred to new potential clients. But either way, it comes down to sending more email, providing value, and being specific with the ask. Well, that's really important, I think. You mentioned that, you know, repeat projects and referrals, they need to go hand in hand. If I'm following up with my old clients, previous clients, then, you know, you have to kind of use your best judgment in determining what to ask for first, whether it's the repeat project opportunity or the referral, don't you? Entirely, entirely. And I think uh, there was one amazing case study I need to publish on my site, a colleague I spoke with who said he one day sat down and just wanted to calculate out the average return that a client brought to him in his business, whether it was a new project or a repeat project or a referral. And he discovered that on average, people who were referred to him were worth more than two times the lifetime value of a client that came in through another channel. And it was that referral, that introduction that allowed him to both propose a higher price initial project because the prospect had higher trust in them and come back for a second, a third, or even a fourth project with that prospect because they had done so well on that initial project. 
Yeah, that's not surprising to me at all. I mean, anecdotally, I would say referral leads that come in, they never bat an eye on price with me anyways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, the social capital, that goodwill, you're borrowing that goodwill from your client and you've demonstrated value to them. So why would they argue with you on price? Completely agreed. It's often a competitive advantage, an unfair advantage in a sense. Yeah. Kai, listen, this has been really, really helpful. How can folks connect with you if they want to find you? Uh, the best way would be uh, my free course on outreach. Uh, if any of the listeners are looking to get better at sending emails, whether it's to new prospects, old clients, lost leads, I have a free course on outreach marketing, how to send emails that people actually want to receive and then reply to. And you could sign up for that at freeoutreachcourse.com. I also send out a daily email on marketing tips for freelancers, consultants, and independent business owners. And you could sign up for that at kydavis.com. Yeah, and I'm on the list, and initially I thought Kai was crazy for sending a daily email, and, <laughs> I, thought, and I thought Philip Morgan was crazy for sending a daily email, and I got on the list, almost both of your lists, just to see, like, come on, this is ridiculous. Daily emails? Like, how could, what, how could they do it? What in the world are they talking about every single day? This is, this is just silly, right? So I got on the list just to kind of ridicule you, and lo and behold, I read them every day. <laughs> every- I, I've honestly had people reply to my emails, Kai, daily emails, they're too much. But I can't make myself unsubscribe. And I'm like, I love you. Thank you. (laughs) The emails are absolutely worth the read. They're short. They're sweet. They're jam-packed with actionable advice. So definitely get on Kai's email list. Kai, thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And to the listeners in the audience, I say uh, just take it as a personal challenge. Follow up with two past clients. Just send them an email. Get over that hump of, oh, I'm not sure what will happen. Send them a simple email just saying, hey, it was great to work with you on that project. Do you know anybody else who's looking for a similar outcome? And see what happens. More often than not, that will result in a referral or an interesting conversation that will move your business forward. That's what I'm doing as soon as we're done. (laughs) Thanks again, Kai. Thank you. Hey, it's Ahmed here again. Just a quick wrap up to the interview. I hope you learned as much as I did in that interview. I mean, Kai really just laid it on thick. There was so much valuable information on there and tips and tricks on how you can generate more referrals from your existing clients. The key here now is take action, right? Don't just let this sit on the shelf. Don't let it sit in the back of your mind. Actually go and do something with this. And I think the simplest thing that you can do is, first of all, take Kai's outreach course. That's certainly a good next step. But also just build out a simple process, as simple as it is. The simpler, the better, to be honest. When do you ask for referrals? What does the script look like? Build an email template and just start sending those requests. And then hopefully from the responses you get, you'll be more motivated to do this on an ongoing, more regular basis. Again, you want to grab the show notes to this episode, head over to forecast.fm slash Kai. That's forecast.fm slash K-A-I. And we'll have a link to Kai's outreach course in the show notes there. Also, if you like the show, if you're enjoying it, do me a favor, head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. The easy way to do that is go to forecast.fm slash iTunes and then click on the link there and it'll open up iTunes wherever you are on your desktop or your mobile. And then leave us a rating and a review because it helps more people discover the show and I would be very happy. Thank you so much for listening.